Hello and welcome to the Super Givers Podcast, where we celebrate ordinary people creating extraordinary impact in the world. I'm your host, Jesse Johnson, personal revolution coach, partner, father, and aspiring super giver. This week's guest is Angie Lowthen, creator of the Seattle-based KindFest. Angie's mission is to create harmony and connection across the world through the practice of kindness. In this interview, you can learn how a partner and mother of two was able to overcome extreme fatigue and existential doubt to create a wildly successful and revolutionary festival. So I'm here with um, budding friend Angie Lowden, uh, founder of Seattle-based KindFest. I would love for you just to give us um, a snapshot of, of who you are for people who don't know about you. Who are you and what are you doing in the world? Mm. Um, yeah, I am a mother of two little girls, a nine-year-old and an eight-year-old, and married to my husband as of about 13 years now. And um, yeah, my my background is in social work. And I have always had a desire to do and bring more good into the world in one way and to improve people's lives. Um, and I kind of went down that route in the social work field and just found that I wanted to do more. Uh, so I've experimented with different kinds of um, jobs, but then I had kids and I decided I wanted to stay home. And so I decided to stay home and just be there with my girls full time as they were until they got into school. But in the midst of that, I had an opportunity to be a preschool teacher, um, kind of fell into my lap. It wasn't something I was looking for. And so I took up that opportunity. And as my daughter my oldest daughter went into kindergarten. My youngest one was still in preschool. Um, I got to be a preschool teacher and she was one of my students. And so that was wonderful. And it was a great transition to go kind of back into work part time, still be available to my kids and, and all of that. So that was wonderful. I did that for quite a few years. Um, and then some things happened in my life, kind of changed some stuff up. I had some health issues and I finally made a decision as of last spring that I wanted to quit teaching and kind of follow my dreams of what had been pulling and tugging on me for a few years. So you're grazing over this really important piece. Would you be willing to share a little about your personal turning point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so being a mom is hard. <laughs> it was, I loved it. I've loved it and it's wonderful, but it, especially those first few years was exhausting and really tiring. And, um, you know, you don't come with a, a book to teach you how to be a parent. So I was doing the best that I could, but also, you know, it brings all kinds of sides out of you that you didn't know you had. And so there was a lot of um, sides of me that I didn't like. And I was really beating myself up about that, feeling guilty, not feeling like a good enough mom. And I was, you know, doing my very best to be the best mom that I could and provide the girls with everything that they needed. And from the outside, I think everybody thought everything was great. And 
you know, I get compliments on my parenting and all of that kind of stuff and on my daughters. But on the inside, I felt horrible. I felt like I was not a good parent and I was unhappy and I was exhausted and I was frustrated that I didn't know how to do this better and um, just was really hard on myself. Um, And at the same time, I was trying to work and do the very best that I could there and do the very best that I could in so many other areas, being a wife and being a friend and just giving so much of my time and energy and attention out to everybody else. And what happened was, and I think it's been three years now, is um, I got sick with the flu. I had some pretty traumatic things that happened right before that. My daughter was severely burned on her chest from boiling hot water, and that was really stressful. And then a couple weeks or a few weeks later, I got the flu, and it just felt like I never recovered from it. It felt like um, even though I knew I had recovered from the flu, my body still felt like I, I had the flu. I felt exhausted. I couldn't get enough sleep. Um, my Everything just hurt. And then it turned into um, some anxiety and then it turned into depression. And I had experienced anxiety and depression before, but never to that extreme where I was having anxiety attacks on my way to teaching preschool. And once I'd get there, I'd be fine. And then preschool would be over and I would just be so um, desperate to get home so I could take a nap before I had to pick up my girls from school. And then I was doing everything that I could to pull up the energy together to make dinner. And then I was just exhausted after that. And so and then the depression was horrible. I'd never gone through anything like that before either. And it was um, just it, it. it took me having to cry every single night to just be able to fall asleep because it was just so bad. And I remember one day thinking, what happened? I I had a feeling that somehow I was creating this sort of disease or imbalance in myself in some way. And immediately it's like my higher self answered and said, it's your thoughts. And I was like, my thoughts. I don't even know what I'm thinking about. Like, how did my thoughts create this? And um, so I decided, because I was seeing my naturopathic doctor and I was seeing an acupuncturist and I was seeing all these different specialists, I decided for the first time that I would go see a counselor. I'd never seen a counselor before. And there was a lot of shame with that, thinking like, you know, oh my gosh, it must be, <laughs> I must be crazy if I have to go see a counselor or something. But I just I knew I needed to. And it was at that point that I began to have an awareness of what I was thinking about. And a lot of it had to do with just how unkind I was being to myself. I was just being so critical and so hard on myself and not being very forgiving and um, compassionate and all of these things, all of these things that I felt like were so important to give to other people, yet I couldn't give that to myself. And so I began the journey of healing myself. And really, my mantra was, what is the kindest thing that I could do for myself today? And within the next you know, two months, I took two months off work and um, returned back in February. And by the time I returned back in February, I, I was feeling almost back to normal. And my doctor and everybody were surprised that I could you know, get back to feeling the way that I was feeling that quickly. And I just said, it really 
had a lot to do with um, me being kind to myself. But at the same time, during this whole process, I had a community of friends who were supporting me through this. You know, I didn't feel worthy enough to receive their support. And I thought, you know, other people have it worse. You know, there's people in way different situations. But they offered to come bring me meals and they were bringing me gift certificates. And one person even donated a thousand dollars of their bonus money to me because they knew I had taken two months off work that was unpaid. And it was just that kind of stuff that was, um, it was really hard in the beginning. I recognized how hard it was for me to receive that and to say yes. And, but I knew deep down that I had to, um, if I wanted to heal, I had to receive this. And so I said, yes, and I accepted it. And every time somebody gave me something, I just did my very best to receive it without feeling like I wasn't worthy of what they were giving me. And so um, it was a few months later, it was probably May, and I just remember laying in bed with my girls one night, and I was just thinking about all the ways that kindness had healed me. And I felt like being kind to myself was huge and receiving that kindness was huge. And it wasn't just about giving kindness away, but it was also about the receiving and giving it to myself. And I had always wanted to put on a festival. It was, I love festivals and events. And it was something I had been creating a business plan for like five years prior to that and thought I would put it on hold and just take the preschool teaching position and come back to that later. And so when I was laying in bed and thinking about this, all of a sudden I had the thought of the art festival that I wanted to do. And then I thought, oh, what if instead of creating an arts festival, I created a kind fest and it would all be. And the arts festival was about being kind to the environment. So now it wasn't just about being kind to the environment, but it was really encompassing everything in a much more holistic kind of view. So. So, yeah, then I I went for that. (laughs) It makes sense to me that your ability to receive fueled your ability to give. Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember having a meditation one day and thinking, um, I don't don't even remember how this happened, but I I remember sitting in a meditation and I was like at the top of this mountain and there were there were these beings who wanted to give to me and I immediately wanted to put my hands up and say, no, 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 like, I don't, I don't need this. And, and I just felt like, just put your hands down and receive. And so I did, and I didn't understand why I was doing that. And when I did, and I just allowed myself to receive for a couple minutes, then I had this like aha moment, like, oh, when I receive, I'm like, so it feels like I'm just so full that all I want to do is now give out, give it to other people. Mm. I was like, now I get it. (laughs) Like this is, it's so important to receive because then I'll have so much more to give and I'll want to, like, I just want to give it away. (laughs) Amen. We can only give from what we have, right? Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, We're getting really deep into this. I want to give people a, a portrait of what you're talking about. So give us like the, the more, left-brained description of what is the KindFest? Yeah. Um, my vision with the KindFest was because I had been meeting so many people during my healing process, and I just thought, gosh, you know, I, I love sharing um, 
with my friends, like the new people that I met or the new doctor or the new specialist or whatever, and, or a new organization. And, um, it's always hard for me to find that stuff. I don't know where to look for it. And so I thought I would love to bring together all of the people who are doing the work to create a kinder world and bring them all together in one place so that people have really easy access to like where to find them. And, but it's also in a really playful community centered type environment. And I wanted people to also understand and walk away with this knowing that giving, I mean, that um, kindness isn't just about what you give to other people, but it's about being kind to yourself. It's about receiving it as well, because receiving is also a gift to the other person. And so um, I created a festival by basically connecting and collaborating with lots of people in our local area. And they were teachers and leaders and businesses and organizations who were all doing some kind of kind and compassionate work in the world and brought them together. Um, I brought in seven different musicians and food trucks and food is also like, oh my gosh, something I'm obsessed with. I'm such a foodie. (laughs) So, uh, but I'm also sensitive to certain foods. And so I wanted there to be options for people like me who are sensitive to foods and to have some healthy options. So that was important to me. And then because receiving kindness was so important to me, I created what I called the kindness receiving tent at the festival. And that was a place where people could just literally go sit and receive in some way. So, um, or do something for themselves. And so there was yoga in the morning. Then we had different speakers throughout the day and we had a crystal sound bath in the morning and in the middle of the day, which was awesome. So if I show up there and I know nothing about it and I, and I walk in, what do I see? What does it look like? Like, how do I interact? Yeah. Um, I think the thing, yeah, that people talked a lot about was, um, they sensed the energy shift as soon as they walked on the field. They were like, it it just felt like a different place. Um, people were friendly with one another. They were smiling. They were supportive of one another. They were helping each other out. Um, it was just a really fun space to play with kindness and compassion. People were hugging one another. There were people who weren't even a part of the festival uh, as far as like being a a vendor or a sponsor or having a booth that just showed up because they knew it was a kind festival and they did kind acts to other attendees. Um, For example, a little boy showed up who had brought all these little bracelets and he was like a seven or eight year old and he just passed out these bracelets um all day to different attendees <laughs> it was sweet wow. um yeah so it was a place where you could come and eat food you could go sit in front of the stage and listen to live music all day you could check out the curated um artist vendors that i had selected that i felt like were really conscious thoughtful um type of work um, or you could you know, connect with some of the organizations that were at the booths and see what kind of work they're putting out in the world and how you might be able to be a part of it. Or you could go sit in the kindness receiving tent all day long if you wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) The morning till the afternoon. So what did you take away 
when it was all over? Oh gosh, so many things. Uh, I mean, one thing is that this matters, that it's important that people want this. They were inspired by it and excited. Um, and that there really are a lot of people who are doing amazing things in the world. And I, and I just felt like it was such a, a it was just a place to celebrate all of that. <laughs> um, I also took away just the idea of putting on a festival <laughs> because mm. that itself was, that's a whole nother side of it, but I've never put on a festival before. So I think I just took away this sense of that. I don't need to know how exactly to do it as long as I just answer the calling and say yes and go for it. That I just um, trusted that somehow the universe was going to support me in that. And it did. So, and how did you go from this dark night of the soul depletion state as a mom to being able to have the capacity to execute this grand vision? Um, yeah, I remember, you know, in May when I had this vision for the kind fest, I thought, oh my gosh, I was so excited in that moment. But at the same time, I knew that really I didn't have enough energy stored up in me to be able to put on a festival. Hmm. So I just took baby steps. And the first step was the very next morning, I bought the domain name, thekindfest.com. And then, you know, the next step was talking about it to people and saying, hey, I have this idea and just kind of like putting it out there. And then, um, you know, that fall, I think I attended an event, a Kyle Cease event, um, just because I knew I needed some support in in this crazy wild idea that I had. <laughs> um, and I and I knew that I couldn't just do this alone and that um I needed to be able to change my way of thinking and stuff. And so it just seemed like every couple months when I felt, you know, a little bit of energy, like I had a little bit more energy to do something, I would just do a little bit more and take, you know, some baby steps towards it. And the year and a half, the year before I actually did anything, I started just reaching out to people and connecting and saying, Hey, what do you do? And why do you do it? And can we talk on the phone? And I just wanted to hear about what people were doing in the community and just started making a list of these people so that I eventually had this like database of all these people that I could eventually reach out to when I was ready to put on the festival. And then it wasn't really until, um, the fall of 2016, when I just wasn't happy at work and I knew that I was no longer really, um, I don't know, my heart just wasn't feeling like it needed to continue doing what I was doing there, that I had more to do. And it was really hard to leave that because I, I did love, I loved the kids and I loved the families and it had nothing to do with the people that I was working with because they were amazing and I loved teaching. Um, but it was more that I knew that this calling was um, something that I just couldn't put away. Like I couldn't keep hiding from it and it was time for me to do something about it. And so Again, I just kept on seeking out support. So I went to the Awaken Your Practice with Andrea Lita 
And then I came back from there just with this sense of trust and faith that I didn't need to know how this festival was going to happen. I just needed to continue to take steps forward. And so I really went to work on meeting more and more people for coffee or over the phone or whatever I could do and interviewing more people. And then, um, and I finally gave my notice in November that I was going to be leaving and they found a replacement and I was able to leave in February. And then I was full-time available to putting on this festival, which was really scary because I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) But again, I just was, took every day and just thought, okay, what can I do today to like move me forward? And things started aligning and people started coming into my space that could support this vision. And it all magically worked out. (laughs) It was a lot of magic. (laughs) I love that you're an example of somebody who was able to take the tiny steps without knowing exactly the end product. And I think that's a huge, I hope the listeners are really glom onto that. I know for me, I can relate to have struggled with that. And I know so many people who do where if they can't get some magic answer to the, the end game or the how, then they can be paralyzed in the action. And it sounds like one key thing I want to really, really hone in on here is that you didn't let that stop you. You took the tiny steps, even in a pretty def- depleted state, if not a state of recovery, Yeah, you kept taking the small steps towards it, even though you had no idea how it was going to play out in the end. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. 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 And I think that's one thing, you know, this was um, sort of restated again a couple weeks ago to an event that I went to, but there was one thing that somebody said that really stuck out to me is that, um, you know, most people, you don't get, you don't have confidence first and then courage. You, you have the courage first. You, you make um, a step forward and it's the confidence that comes later. And that was, I think that's one thing that I can say that I have is like, there are a lot of times where I do not have the confidence in doing what I'm about to do, but I am willing to be brave and courageous and just take that step forward, whether I know what's going to happen or not. And it's scary because it's, it's a vulnerable place to be, and especially, you know, with a festival and I'm putting my name out there and putting stuff out on Facebook that I'm working on this festival and had it not turned out. I mean, how, like, you know, I thought of all the scenarios of what would happen if it didn't turn out and it was a really scary thought, but at the same time, it was more scary and painful for me to imagine not doing it at all. (laughs) Right. And and for people listening, I believe you can correct me, Angie, I think 1500 people showed up to this, right? Yeah. Yes. And it was a multi-day event. Um, it was just Saturday, August twelfth, which right. um actually happened to be the very same day as Charlottesville, which was crazy. I had no idea that that was happening the same time. Right. Um, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Now I'm remembering. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, but we had like sixty booths. I mean, seven musicians, eight speakers, like ten different food vendors, fifteen hundred people come through. Um, it was amazing for a first time event. And I really, you know, I said yes, and I did the work, but I really can't take credit for everything that came together. I just feel like so many amazing things happened to make that, to make that day come to fruition. Yeah. And that's, that's the giver in you. And that's, 
that's awesome that you can see that. And for, for somebody listening who can relate it all to your story, I really want them to hear that you took all these steps, even right up to the day, possibly, yeah. okay. without knowing, right? And look what ended up happening, right? Yeah. Yes. It it was it is scary not knowing, but yeah. you have to do it anyways. <laughs> I so, mean, especially if the calling is in you that and it, you know, for me it had been with me at that point, it had been almost three years that I had had the vision of creating the kind fest. And it wasn't until that past six months, the six months before it, that I really went to work on making it happen. Yeah. And how did your family respond to you, to seeing you, to, to the event, to, to, yeah. you, to you devoting all this energy towards it, right? Yeah. My husband has been amazingly supportive from the very beginning and even really a big proponent in like pushing me towards it because I remember thinking um one night I was like I just don't know if I can keep working here anymore and I would love to be able to create and make the kind fest happen next summer and I was like I just don't know if we can do that he was like we can do it just quit the job go do it you're fine we'll we'll make it happen I was like really and so he was he was incredibly supportive and I know that doesn't always happen, but um, I feel very blessed in that way. And my daughters are adorable and um, made me feel like I was a superstar. I think in their mind I was. <laughs> but um, to me, it was like, yeah, I'm just putting on this festival. But they wanted to tell everybody and tell their teachers and tell everybody that they knew my mom's creating a festival. And and I had to just really take that in and just realize like what this is doing for them. Like, and I talk about my process and what I'm going through and they saw the days that I cried, you know, and was struggling. And, um, but I talk about everything with them and just let them know, like, yeah, sometimes things are scary and sometimes things are hard and sometimes mommy cries and it's a hard day, but it doesn't, it's not going to stop me. And, um, you know, I just have to be brave and courageous and keep pressing forward and it'll all work out fine. And, uh, so I think for me too, I mean, aside from all the stuff that I want to put out in the world, I always come back to what am I teaching my girls and what am I modeling for them and, and being a good parent or not good parent, but being a parent for me, one of the most important things is how can I teach my girls how to be brave and kind and compassionate and um, go for the things that are important to them in their life and not always feel like they have to do something that they don't want to do. So um, I definitely think that they've learned a lot by watching me and they, they, started their own piggy banks and my daughter wants to create her own ice cream truck. And my other daughter said the first thousand dollars she gets, she wants to go create a little tiny house for a homeless man. So, you know, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like, okay, I I think they are learning some good things here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I feel so, yeah, yeah, I feel so inspired by that and just, (laughs) wow. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy. It's, it's not always easy. Um, and it is scary and there's a lot of like still daily struggles and all of that stuff, but I feel like I'm in a place where I have so much more compassion, um, for myself than I did three years ago 
as a mom <laughs> and just as a person in the world. And um, yeah, I'm still just always growing and I'm open to that. So you've been through your first one. What's, yeah. What is your vision of where this can go? Yeah, well, I'm currently working on what are the kinds of maybe smaller community events that I can create throughout the year building up to the festival because community is important to me. Um, I come from a huge family. My dad has like 13 plus brothers and sisters. My mom has nine um, brothers and sisters and she's from Mexico and uh, community and connection and celebration and play and fun and all of that stuff has always been such an important part of my life that I'm trying to <clears throat> figure out how I can bring more of that into the world because you know, as a kid, I had that as an adult moving away from my family and being in a now different place with no family or um, I shouldn't say no family, but less family around. I just feel like, how do I create more opportunities for this connection and community and play and but also really um, teaching others how to have more compassion and love for themselves in their life. So I'm working on some smaller events, but yes, the Kind Fest will be an annual event. I would love to be able to create the structure for this festival to be something that I could take from city to city. Um, so having the Kind Fest travel to some of the major cities on the West Coast or something, you know, maybe to start out with would be amazing. Uh, but I feel like I just need to get through a couple of them to really figure all that out. Um, so, yeah, the next one, we're working on the dates and location right now. It may be in the same place or it may be just down the road a little bit, but most likely will be July or August of next summer. So. Okay. So where do you struggle most with practicing <laughs> kindness? Oh, You know, um, this is a great question. I'm right now taking a class. It's a series of classes that I drive down to Seattle for because I'm north of Seattle and Everett um, called Compassionate Communication. And I love it. It's the second time that I've taken it. So if anybody ever has a chance to look up NVC or Compassionate Communication, I just feel like it's an amazing tool. But um, one of the things that I remember struggling with three years ago, and I've come a long ways, but I'm still realizing, recognizing that there's other areas that I could work on is I used to feel bad for feeling depressed or sad or crying or any of these things. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. And like, I need to be fixed and all of that kind of stuff. And I've learned to accept a lot of these emotions um, and not be ashamed of them anymore. But I think one of the areas that I have struggled to have compassion with are the emotions that appear or have been labeled as bad, such as being angry <laughs> is probably my biggest one. And so um, I am learning how to practice having more compassion over myself in the moments where I feel angry, because as a parent, Lord knows we all get triggered mm. very easily. And, Multiple times uh, a day <laughs> for me. Yeah. And, how, you know, and we get angry. And I, uh, for so many years, have not liked that side of myself. And I'm coming to a place where I can feel a lot more compassion towards myself in that area. But it's definitely a practice. 
and getting there. Great. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Here's where you get to play coach. Oh gosh. So okay. let's, let's imagine that there is a mom listening to this right now. Yeah. Who's at a place in her life where she's, mm. she's got big dreams and potentially low steam. Uh, yeah. And maybe she's feeling some of that fear that you felt those years ago. And she's coming to you at this point in your life. Yeah. What would you tell her? I would tell her to put on her own oxygen mask and take care of herself first. Um, because it's really hard to give and to do a lot from a place of depletion. And so, you know, whatever it is that rejuvenates or replenishes you or recharges you, um, instead of feeling guilty for doing that, because that was the other thing is I felt guilty and I felt needed by so many people. I really started practicing saying no. And even telling my husband, like, I'm not going to make dinner tonight. I need to rest. And, you know, you guys want to throw in some chicken nuggets in the oven or something, then great. But I need, I need to recharge tonight and go take a hot bath or whatever. And getting to a place where you don't feel guilty about that. And just knowing that when you are recharged and you have, um, then you have a lot more to give to your husband and your kids or, you know, whatever situation you're in. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and also not just at the home, but finding ways to support yourself with people around you. Um, I had to sort of cut back from the people I was hanging out with that were draining my energy and started hanging out more with people that um, recharged me. And then also just finding the support that I needed. And gosh, you know, I felt so ashamed of seeing a therapist. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. Everybody should have this. It's like so nice to just be able to have a, a safe um, space to vent and talk about your things and then have a new fresh perspective on, on that issue that you brought in. And so, yeah, I think find ways to recharge first. And when you do feel recharged and ready to kind of go for it, then don't do it alone. Su surround yourself with the people who can support you and believe in you. And, um, and if it's not your husband, because sometimes that doesn't always happen like that, then, then find the friends or the other entrepreneurs or the other whatever it is that you're working on people that are doing something similar who believe in you and can support you in that. Wonderful. Yeah. How could somebody listening best support what you're working on currently or, and, or connect with it? Yeah. Um, I have a Facebook page called the kind fest. It's pretty easy to find. And um, I have a website called thekindfest.com. And I haven't got a newsletter or anything started up yet, but I'm hoping to have other ways that people can connect. Maybe just, I love writing and storytelling. And so whether it's a blog or whether it's video, I'm not sure what avenue I'm going to take yet, but um, I would love to share my journey with people. And yeah, I hope that people can come next year and check it out and if not, at least follow along and see what happens, what we're up to. Great. Yeah. Is there anything else that I didn't 
ask about that you want to share about? Um, sure. I'll, I'll share one more thing that I think is pretty exciting. There is a organization called Take a Stand for Good, who's run by Wendy in San Francisco, and she has just created a summit um, for next spring of 2018, and it's called the Kindness Evolution. And it's a collaborative summit of 70 plus leaders from across the United States that are going to be coming together to to connect. And um, and these are all sorry, these are all organizations and leaders who are doing work to bring more kindness and compassion into the world. So all of us are coming together to basically collaborate and create a manifesto and talk about how we can actually work together to create this movement um, instead of just independent of each other. How could we do it together and support one another? So there will definitely be more information about that after the spring. So that would be something to be looking out for. You can follow them on Facebook as well. But if you follow me, I will also have updated information as to what is becoming of that. Um, collaboration, which is exciting. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really want to thank you, Angie, for taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah. Thank you for listening and asking. <laughs> to learn more about Angie Lauven and the KindFest, check out the links in the production notes. Today, I'll leave you with this. Who is a woman in your life that you might underestimate? How might you support her today expecting nothing in return? To find out more about the world of Supergivers, head over to supergivers.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, click on the podcast link and send in an application. That's all for today. Thanks for listening and maybe even subscribing to the Supergivers podcast, where we celebrate ordinary people creating extraordinary impact in the world. I'm your host, Jesse Johnson, and I hope you'll pass the giving along. <laughs>